<laughs> Welcome into episode six of the Haunting University podcast. I'm John Schultz. And I'm Keone Hutton. In today's podcast, we want to talk about your scare actors and your scare actors' technique. We'll talk about costumes, and we have a special guest host today to help us discuss the finer points of makeup. In our many years of haunting, we have recruited many of our good friends to assist us with various parts that we are not so good at. We've discussed already in the past how John excels with his marketing and his uh, background storyline areas, whereas I excel more in the execution build of the build, design, and special effects of the haunt, but neither of us are particularly skilled when it comes to costumes and makeup. And so uh, that's why our good friend Leslie Reed uh, has been such an asset to all of our haunts. Leslie, care to introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, like you were saying. Tell us a little about your background. So my background, I got recruited into these haunts um, initially as well, a uh, attendee, more, more or less, in high school, and then kind of from there... Moved from just attending the haunts to helping plan and execute. So I've done mostly just kind of helping with construction, build. But the big thing that I bring is um, understanding of costuming, makeup, and characterization, how to kind of build and create your actors into your scare actors and really put something in that is scary and fun uh, and works with the whole theme of whatever haunt you're doing. Uh, I have experience in theater uh, as well as other things. So that's kind of where I've, what I've brought to the table and how I've managed to help make myself useful. You say you have experience in theater. Uh, what shows have you worked on? Just because, you know, I love it. <laughs> so shows I've worked on. I've done Children of Eden, Fiddler on the Roof, Guys and Dolls, Woo! Cinderella, uh, and You Get Your Gun. Um, a little bit of Oliver and... I don't even remember how many plays I've helped with, but those are the big musicals that I've uh, assisted with, mainly with running crew, but I've also helped with props and costumes and makeup. Fantastic. We're glad to have you here. A reminder before we move forward to have the studio audience, please keep your woos to yourself. Woo! No. So some have asked why we're devoting an entire episode just to scare acting, and the primary reason is because these are probably going to be the people who have not worked in your haunt for as long as you have. So prior, every episode prior to this, we've been talking to the designers, we've been talking to the builders, we've been talking to the people who are working from the very beginning to make this thing happen. Today, we want to talk about uh, all the people you're bringing in to actually make the big night a success. They may or may not have the same buy-in that you do, uh, but they're all there for the same reason. They love Halloween, and they want to share that love with all the customers who are coming to enjoy your haunt. So one of the most important things when you're when you're setting up your haunted house is to find the right scare actors. You want to, you want to find people who are um, as committed to it as you are, who are going to take it seriously and, you know, not blow off uh, practice or, or anything like that. Actually, I have to disagree with you a little bit there, John, uh, especially for your starting home haunters. It may come down to whoever you have. Uh, you want a certain level of trust with those people. Uh, certainly if you are, a, certainly you don't want someone who you cannot stand or is um, going to actively work against you. But beyond that, uh, grabbing whoever is uh, either willing or excited, well, willing, but especially excited to do, to celebrate Halloween, I would grab every, anyone I can. Do you want me to go back over that and just take out the phrase as committed as you are? No, no. I, I think this whole discussion we're having is perfect, and I'm going to include all of it. 
possibly including this comic. discussion about being a discussion? Right here. The discussion about the discussion, yes. So is this like Inception? It's a discussion within a discussion, but... We could add another discussion about the it's, discussion in this discussion. It's it's like a fourth wall break inside a fourth, a fourth wall, wall break. break. That's like... That's like 16, 16 walls. Can you can you use that? I mean, that's copyrighted. Are we allowed to use that? <laughs> We're not making money. What are they going to do to us? Sue us? Yes. So, John, tell me, how many actors do you think you need to execute a haunt well? Seven. Why seven? Why not? Leslie, how about what's your take? It really depends on what type of haunt and how big you're looking for. I think that's you can pull more, off. more like an answer I was looking for. <laughs> you can pull off a solid haunt with three people. You just have to design it accordingly. Um, so really, it's 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 not about how many people you manage to get. Um, you can pull off convincing haunt with one person if that's all you have. Uh, you just design it accordingly. That's actually a really good point. Uh, it, it takes me back to my the first time I ever did a haunt. I was in sixth grade the year before I had decided that I didn't want to trick-or-treat anymore. I wanted to start scaring people. Um, I had <laughs> no money, you know, sixth grade. I had uh, no friends. Okay, that sounds more pathetic than it actually was. Uh, I, was I had say, friends, but they were not interested. <laughs> I had friends, but they weren't interested in helping me. So what did I do? My parents had these bushes in the front yard. I literally climbed inside the bushes, and as people came out, I jumped out and yelled at them. It was simple. It was effective. <laughs> it required no money, and I was able to execute it completely by myself. Well, it's, let's say it's similar to what my mom did when we were children. My father would take myself and my siblings trick-or-treating, and we had a milk box in front of our uh, front door, and my mom would put <laughs> like a walkie-talkie in either the milk box or the mailbox – and, you know, as the trick-or-treaters would walk up, she'd, be ha- she'd have the other end of the talkie, and she'd sit there and go, help, help, I'm stuck, help, rescue me. <laughs> and she'd watch these kids, you know, searching around, trying to figure out where this voice was coming from before they rang the doorbell. So, again, even if you just have one person, you can still have a lot of fun with Halloween and put on something unique and entertaining that people will, will remember. Absolutely. Agreed. What I found, though, was um, setting up the atmosphere ahead of time, especially if you're trying to scare them, um, the atmosphere is going to be key. And I think and I think another thing that's important when you're identifying the the scare actors you're going to need, you, you put down a number to it. Um, it's not just the, the size of your hunt and, you know, kind of how it's set up. You also want to identify the skills that are going to be necessary. Great point, John. Great point. Uh, when we were designing our zombie apocalypse haunted house, um, we got everything set up and then looked at, okay, where are the locations that we that a uh, actor could be most effectively employed? So we put one in the back of the car. We put one at the garage. We put one on the front porch. We put one who randomly ran out of nowhere uh, and chased them off of the property. That <laughs> uh, was a good one. I, that was one of my favorites, personally. <laughs> and then uh, I just kind of jumped around and pitched in where I could. So that led us to a good number that led us to five and five actors that we had to uh, scrounge up for that year. Are you real quick? Are you considering act scare actors, quote unquote, or so like, let's say the zombie apocalypse. I didn't act, but I ran the boards. There were people that uh, like back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. You have to count them because your scare actors may or may not actually interact with the guests, but could be scaring them anyway. So John, that year uh, was in the back running some of our special effects. So he had access to the uh, fog machines. He had access to the screaming 
uh, man trapped in a coffin. And he was the one cueing those like a stage or like the stage manager would in a theatrical production. I'm really much better behind the scenes. I'm not much of an actor. I know. And I know. And that's why we uh, tailored some of those scale, those scares to your skills. See? Well, and it's also the, to create the ability, especially if you're doing a larger haunt or running it for a longer time period to rotate people out of these positions. Yes. To give people a break from either sitting in a very, very cold coffee yeah. for an entire evening or somebody who in general is better off behind the scenes, but occasionally does want to come out and get involved in some of the outside. Sure. Out. Good point, Leslie. So being able to rotate people through and, you know, it's freezing cold. You need to go inside and warm up. You know, somebody takes the, takes the board. Another person gets in the back of the car. And things like that are, are also things to consider based on your location and the weather. Very critical where <laughs> we were haunting in Colorado. Yeah. A little bit. So, and that also, with weather as a consideration, is one of the things that you need to think about when you start to design your costumes. What do you mean? About weather and costumes? Yes, tell us more. <laughs> so you you want to make sure that your scare actors are comfortable. You don't want them getting too hot or too cold. So, you know, if you're in a colder area um, or an area that, you know, Halloween might be 90 degrees or snowing, as Colorado is wont to do on occasion. You want to be able to either have costumes that are versatile or that can be layered without uh, detracting from the effect. So one thing that is really important to consider is what is the average weather that you're likely to have when you have your haunt? Is your haunt going to be inside or outside? And then you want to design your costumes accordingly. So if you are going to be outside and it is going to be cold, you want to make sure that everybody has enough layers on underneath their costume, if their costume fits over those layers, and if possible, incorporating the bulk that layers can sometimes cause into the actual costuming. Um, if you're in a hot location, you want to make sure that people who have to wear masks or you know are covered head to toe have either a place that they can go to cool off or that they're not in you know a place that they're just going to be sweltering hot and miserable the entire time. Happy scare actors make for happier haunts. It's funny you mentioned rotation, and I, Kay, I just wanted to get your take on this. How? What about rotation in the manner of um, kind of giving a break to an actor who might be strapped to a table, having his, his intestines taken out um, <laughs> over and over? It, it, you know, sometimes it's a little harder on the back. I don't think there's any need to rotate him out. Uh, he's being eviscerated. <laughs> I want him suffering as much as possible. <laughs> You know, in his in his screams, you could tell there was some <laughs> there was some truth behind the pain right there. There, there was that, that just that just brings some reality to the. That, that's it. Uh, that I think that uh, leads us into uh, helping your actors get into the right mindset. I'll be honest. Oh, I'm, I thought you were a union. But... <laughs> Thank God you guys have never figured out how to unionize because I would be screwed. <laughs> we look into make a note. Thanks. Eh, most of my union contracts are just going to require M&Ms and beer. I like her union. Join her union. <laughs> don't don't start, Low. No. Yeah, just wait till you see the health care bill for that. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. Start with, like, Twizzlers. Ooh, Twizzlers. So encouraging your actors to get in the right mindset. How do we do it? Well, for starters... A hungry haunter is an angry haunter, and in general, angry haunters make bad decisions. So from the get-go, uh, you need to make sure that you have a way to 
get everyone fed properly. Either that's opening late enough that they have an opportunity to eat before they come in or um, offering rotation or opportunities for them to eat during the, uh, while the hunt is open. Uh, that will be critical to keeping everybody, keeping all your scare actors uh, in the right state of mind. Very crucial. Also setting it up where, depending on the character, they can eat while they're haunting. I mean, and, them, and, and that gives see. them a prop to play with throughout that a keeps them happy, but also gives them a way to interact with, you know, interact with the guests. This is Halloween after all. There's going to be candy everywhere. So standing behind a chain link fence and trying to convince little children to give you candy. It's a great <laughs> way to a get fed and be interact with the fellow uh, with, the, with the little munchkins running around trying to get more candy. How successful can can one be at this in your experience? Um, I didn't do too badly. I got a couple of pieces of candy thrown at me. <laughs> for all the for all the uh, listeners who are wondering uh, about the background behind this conversation, thank you, thank you. <laughs> uh, Leslie played Harley Quinn during our Arkham haunted house, uh, and she was behind the electrified fence, had the bats uh, throwing off sparks, and had the opportunity to interact with the guests one on one in a very unscripted manner. <laughs> and so she did all kinds of things, like try to steal candy from small children. I didn't try to steal it. I tried to convince them to give it to me. There was no stealing. Still stealing. You're a, it's all voluntary. You're a terrifying clown with a baseball bat that sparks. I'm harmless. <laughs> Kay, do you believe that? As you, I, if you look I, through I, the pictures on our uh, Facebook page, that's www.facebook.com slash haunting you with the letter U. Uh, you will see that there was a very clear do not feed the Harley sign painted right on the side next to her, but nobody listened. And, Kate, you actually bring up an excellent idea on that one. I think what we'll do is if you want to visit our Twitter page, which is at HauntingUniver1, that's U-N-I-V-E-R-1, I'll put up a poll with some pictures of Harley Quinn on there. Uh, as she's played in Arkham, just with the question, is she harmless? And then yes or no. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So make sure you're looking for that on our Twitter page. And I would like to just call out how professional were those plugs, just seamlessly. <laughs> <laughs> Seamless. We're only six episodes in, but already I think we're getting better at this. <laughs> <laughs> we're also getting more shameless as time goes on. Oh, yeah, pretty much. You guys ever had shame? Fair enough. Less. We have less now than we did when we started. So, how are you going to work out the kinks before the big night? Well, Kaoni, practice makes perfect. Okay, um, please let me do that. I just, <laughs> I'm keeping it. I just, please don't. <laughs> only if you you can only do that if you have like a drop of the Reading Rainbow song after that. Butterfly in the sky, I can go twice as high. Oh, I love reading Rainbow. Wasn't that LeVar Burton? Yeah. Yes. Nice. Okay. If you'd gotten that wrong, I would take away your 90s kid card. But but I didn't know LeVar Burton. You know what? No. All right, ask me again. I'll take it seriously this time. Ask me again. I don't believe you for a second. Ask me again. So, John, how do you ensure your actors know uh, what they're going to be doing come the big night? Um, in, in a situation like that, so you can get all the kinks worked out, um, I 
it's very simple, but it's effective. Practice makes perfect. You want to go through a, a walkthrough of the haunt with all your actors. Um, make sure everyone knows what's expected of them. Um, if they have any dialogue, go over with that. Uh, go, excuse me, go over that with them. Um, as far as dialogue goes, I, unless it's like we mentioned earlier, where it's a situation like Harley, where uh, most of it is Im- improvisation because you know she's doing it for so long. Um, with dialogue, you know, I recommend just keeping it very short, very direct. Yeah, you actually brought up an, an interesting point there, uh, really leaning toward knowing the skills of your actors and designing their scare zone and and uh, their actions around their skill level. So Leslie is a very experienced haunter. She'd been working with us for years. We knew uh, she was very predictable. We knew uh, that we could count on her to interact with the guests in a professional manner. Uh, with very little direction. With, uh, we had some other haunters working with us uh, over the years who um, had very little experience, and so we did a uh, we were much more we much more tightly controlled how they interacted with the guests. So I remember uh, back in high school, we had one of our actors was just getting on our nerves like crazy. Um, he was not being professional. He was uh, interacting with the guests in a uh, a manner that was not let's just say not appropriate. And Dear God, know where you're going with this? I know, and uh, the only way that we could uh, think to remedy the situation in a quick and easy manner, while still keeping the haunt open and available for trick or treaters, was to nail him into a coffin. And for anyone listening, he's not joking. <laughs> he's not. That's not hyperbole. That no. But this is again is also why knowing your scare actors, knowing how you interact with them, how they interact with each other. And either having a place where you can put somebody who's either struggling with the trick-or-treaters or is just not on their game, having a place that you can put them, you know, not necessarily in a coffin if, unless you have to, but having that available is a good idea, again, when you're setting up your haunt. It's also, again, another really important reason to kind of you know, vet your scare actors and give them kind of the opportunity to figure themselves out as characters and how they want to interact with the set, with each other, and with the trick-or-treaters, or if they are the type of person who isn't very comfortable in those situations, making sure that they get a role that they don't interact directly, but they're still part of the haunt. Exactly. Sure. And, 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 I, and I, I, I want to point out real quick before we move on that I am not advocating nailing your actors into a <laughs> coffin. I'm merely uh, saying that that was how we dealt with it. It may have not have been the uh, best way to deal with a sticky situation, but it did lead to one of my best scares ever, um, although we found that it was much easier to put a recording inside the coffin than a human being. Did it work? It worked great. That's all we need. I mean, and I think it does just go to show, I mean, it don't just, you know, have everyone show up on Halloween night and just wing it. You really, if you want to do a good job, you really need to go over things with them. And if you can, have a spare coffin around. It could come in handy. You never know when it might come in handy. It's Halloween. There, there's an abundance. Actually, that brings us into an interesting point. What is appropriate conduct for one of your scare actors? Question. Uh, and for to answer that, uh, I want to guide your attention back to our Facebook page. I stumbled across a really fantastic blog put together by uh, an experienced scare actor uh, named Kenneth Leary. He calls it Scare Acting 101, and it uh, gives you a list of do's and don'ts to for your new scare actors and honestly for your experienced scare actors as well this was a great refresher on things you should and should not be doing when you're as a scare actor what are some examples okay well some of the don'ts um 
mm-hmm. number one, and this is true of any actor in any type of situ in any type of uh, media, but do not break character on the set. Uh, this is especially true for scare actors because you never know when the next set of guests is going to be coming around the corner. And if you're, they catch you out of character or they hear you out of character as they're going through the corridor, that is just going to absolutely destroy any atmosphere that you have built. It doesn't matter how awesome your uh, your haunt is. Otherwise, that's what they're going to remember when they leave. When they walk in on Joker eating a piece of pizza during break, it kind of it kind of ruins it a little bit. Absolutely. So some other don'ts for your scare actors. Uh, don't follow someone beyond your area. Uh, those of us who design the haunts, we have a very specific uh, idea in mind of where we want our scare actors to be. We'll assign you an area. Ken calls it the scare zone. Um, that's the area where you should be focusing all your scares and don't go wandering into someone else's scare zone because um, not only are you intruding on another actor's um, method and another actor's um, what's the word I want Leslie what's the word I want turf uh, no they're no. Um, you're, you're intruding on their character in their space exactly yeah you're exactly you're unless, intruding on their character unless you're somebody unless you know again we had harley and the joker and while 90 percent of the time harley and the joker were separated we would interact on occasion because again that fits within our characterization but you know re- there would be no re- real reason for harley to go wander over and harass scarecrow so again you're assigned a specific location there may or may not be individuals who are more free-roaming scare actors um, and for if you do get assigned as a, as a free roaming scare actor within a haunt, make sure that you speak with the other actors that you are interested in interacting with. And if there's somebody who says, no, I just I need to be in my space and this is the only thing that works in here. Uh, respect that. Uh, there will be others that will be willing to. And again, even as an actor, you have to respect their space as much as you expect them to respect yours. Absolutely. I mean, just on my end, I would just recommend Certainly, you would get to know your scare actors, you and see what they're what they're like, how they're what they're about. I would save most of my personal preference is to save most of the roaming roles with open improvised dialogue for the more experienced ones. But that's just me. Yeah, because again, you want somebody who can improvise, and if they are wandering around and you have you know trick or treaters come through, and you're not necessarily where you should be. You at least can play it off in a way that works right. within the haunt, and again, does not break that fourth wall, does not break the reality of what you're trying to create. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So the final uh, do not that I want to absolutely touch on is never, ever, ever touch a guest yes. unless your haunt specifically allows it. Not I would only... recommend. Can I jump in? Sure. Just a quick portion on that. It, you, like you said, if the haunt allows it, that is also something that I would recommend that you post so that your your clientele can see that that is a possibility that that might happen. Not absolutely, the- absolutely. Uh, the vast majority of haunts out there have a no touching policy. That is not only for the, your guest safety; it's also for the scare actor's safety and liability, for that matter. If yeah, um, you can very easily accidentally. Uh, end up hurting someone, and that opens the haunt and you personally to uh, civil lawsuits. So it has always been my policy to never allow uh, my actors to touch guests. And so when I put together the rules for my haunt, uh, that is always my number one. That is always the first rule. Do not touch guests or do not touch the actors, and the actors will not touch you. The only exception to this rule, and this is the way I run my haunts, 
um, but I will leave it up to you to run your own haunts. The, my only exception to that rule is if a guest is uh, unruly and needs to be escorted out. And in that case, because it is my haunt uh, and it was held on my property, I alone was the only person uh, allowed to touch a person and escort them out. You had the security guard uniform on, too, so I think it would have been legit. That, and that was one of the reasons why I did that for Arkham. Not only did it fit into our storyline uh, and uh, really add to the storyline, but it also gave an air of authority to um, to me as as the person. I think we've talked ad nauseum <laughs> about what not to do. Uh, check out the <laughs> blog to get some others. But So what should the actors do? Scare people? Great. How do we do that? <laughs> I'm going to leave this one at least at the beginning for you two. You're more experienced than I am. <laughs> well, the very first thing I'm going to say is learn your set and all the props that you have around you. You should know it so well that when it's dark, when it's foggy, you can still find your way around inside. Because, let's be honest, it's going to be dark and foggy, uh, and you don't, want to be, you don't want to end up stuck out of place when a new group of guests comes through. So get to know your area. Get to know your props. Know them like the back of your hand. Also, get to know your character. You know, yes. are they somebody who's going to jump out at somebody? Are they going to be kind of lurking in the dark? Are they going to be somebody who's just going to kind of sit there and laugh maniacally? Uh, what is, or, or, you know, are you just kind of the zombie that's the fast zombie that's leaping out? Or are you just kind of standing there gnawing on an arm? Get to know your character. Talk to, you know, if you are a scare actor, talk to your designer. What do they want to see? How you scare somebody is really all dependent on what type of scare you are trying to achieve. Be alert and aware while you're doing that. Uh, listen for clues from your guests. They may, you know, as they're talking to each other, they may mention names. Seize those names and then use them uh, when those when the guests come up to you. It will freak them out more if you know their name the moment you co they come into your room. And Kay, if I could jump in real quick on that one. I mean, that's also one thing in that you can do when you're designing your haunt. I think we had, um, you had this, um, we had this plan when they were entering Arkham. You started to ask them, you know, if we had time, chat them up a little bit. Hey, what's your names? Hi, how's it going, guys? And then you would radio in their names to the people inside the haunt, and it, there's another way you can freak them out. Is just yes, yes. Uh, because I was doing crowd control at the gate, that gave me that opportunity. You know, as we have guests inside, we need to give it a minute. Uh, so just chatting them up, uh, making them feel at ease, but not totally at ease. <laughs> wink, 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 wink. Uh, let me draw out some of that personal information that I could pass along and you guys capitalized on great. Don't forget to pace yourself. Um, it's going to be a long night and you're going to be on your feet a lot. Uh, you don't want to blow all of your energy right at the beginning of the haunt and then have nothing left for the people who are coming later. You just killed a part of me. I know. I try. Are there many parts left of you but yet to kill? Three. Just three. How many other dues do you have? So I've got one more. and um, Ken describes this one so perfectly that I just want to read it verbatim. Um, do be aware of guest behavior. Look for signs of an aggressiveness or intoxication. You want to get in their personal space, but not get so close that you get hit. Get in, get your scare, and get out right away. You know, like speed dating. <laughs> Ken, you nailed it. Thank you for that. Uh, and I appreciate you letting us use your blog on our podcast. Shout out to Ken. I like it. That's good advice. That's very good advice. Another. That's another thing I think that comes with some experience when you're scare acting is you can kind of start to judge the judge the behavior. And, I mean, it's just... 
it's not really doing anything different than how you normally go about your go about your business, but it's just it's, being, it's just aware. being aware. Exactly. Yeah. All right, you want to break? Yeah, let's take no, a little bit. Let's take some questions from listeners, and then we can uh, get into costumes and makeup. Yeah. So Leslie, Leslie, let me pop this one. Let me uh, present this question to you. Uh, we had a listener ask, "I'm having a hard time selling my friends on being part of my home haunt. Do you have any tips or suggestions?" <laughs> That's a tough one. Um, we've certainly had issues over the years of you know people who've agreed and then backed out, um, weren't interested until the last minute. So it's really kind of, um, I mean, I'm all for resorting to bribery. Pizza and their favorite drink, then by all means bring pizza and their favorite drink. I think the big thing to ask them is to try and figure out why they're reluctant. Are they just somebody who doesn't like acting? Um, I personally am, am much more comfortable behind the scenes. Uh, like I said, I did running crew. Uh, me being in front of, me being on stage is, is not something that I am usually in, inclined towards, but on occasion it is something I can be persuaded to do and I do enjoy it. But so a big thing is trying to figure out you know, why don't they want to. And if they don't, then, you know, ask some other people um, or try and figure out a way to convince them once you know why they're not interested. If it is a case of I really don't think I can do this, you know, talk them through it. Tell them, you know, this is all you're going to be doing. You find them that that character that all you have to do is stand in this corner, look creepy and push the fog machine. Maybe that'll yeah. help, you know, encourage them to give it a try. And especially because you throw the word actor in there, it implies... It they're, they're supposed to know what dialogue. they're doing. Yeah. And just tell them, hey, it, again, that goes back to the maybe keep the dialogue short and simple. Say, hey, you're only saying this one thing. It's really easy. Or, you know, do the zombie haunted house where all yeah. I had to do was, you know, lurch out from behind the garage with a arm in my mouth. Yeah. That was it. Nice Worked and easy. Well, too. And, and I tend to agree with you. I'm on that same front where I, I would much rather be behind the scenes. Thanks for bringing up the the arm thing, Leslie. That actually brings me back to a point I wanted to cover <laughs> earlier uh, about feeding your haunter, about feeding your characters. <laughs> uh, so something I wish I had done during our zombie apocalypse was to have uh, like turkey legs available for the actors so that they could actually be gnawing on meat and tearing off chunks of meat while they were scaring people. Oh my people. God, I would have had but so getting much fun fed with at that. The same, I know, right? Oh. But getting fed at the oh. same time. I think it would have been hilarious, and I wish I had thought about it back then, and maybe we'll have to incorporate that in the future. I'm just yes. picturing somebody eating one of the turkey legs and have this terrified little kid come up and then just, like, offer him a bite or something. <laughs> yes! That's what I'm talking about. Just very casually, very, very casually, like, oh, hey, like, you want some leg? Uh, that would have been good. All right, so what other questions have we received, John? All right, let's take this one. How many years did it take you to feel like you've got that on your... Start that over. Let's do this one. How many years did it take you to feel like you've got home haunting perfected? Well, I have been doing this for uh, going on 20 years, and I am far from perfected. <laughs> the turkey like thing, maybe. Uh, there's, there's, there's <laughs> always, there's, there's I don't think you ever perfected. What, what, is, the, what is perfection? I mean,. Every year, we're always adding something, trying something new, um, incorporating more, building bigger. What is perfection? I mean, I like to think that each of us have been, has been able to take the experiences from last year, what went well, what went not, uh, incorporate it into, into next year, and always improving. But 
it's it's a constant level of improvement. I mean, what? Yeah, I don't, I don't I don't think it's a achieving perfection. I think it's Agreed. achieving a level of comfort and confidence to put something on and to handle whatever comes at you um, in a way that doesn't detract from the haunt. So again, I don't think it's perfection. I think it's just you get to a point where you do feel comfortable with what you're putting on and you you feel comfortable with the process and um, you're able to build build an idea of that final result. And I think perfection or that that's probably not a great word for it, but I think everyone just has a, you know, you start the home, the home haunt, you have a goal in mind. And I mean, for us, I think it was mostly, you know what, we, we scared some people, people, people also enjoyed it. So, you know, we had fun, they had fun, and, you know, everybody had a good time. Good. I like that. All right, then. We've talked about finding the right actors to fill your characters. We've talked about getting in the mindset, practicing uh, some resources and techniques and tricks. But how do you actually transform an actor into the character? Well, <laughs> I think the gra- the bottom level, the most basic way uh, to start that process is with costumes and makeup. Plastic transforming sur- their... Oh. <laughs> transforming their physical Features. appearance no transforming their physical appearance uh to help them fit that character so leslie you were the expert in this area so tell me uh how you incorporated costumes for zombie both for the zombie apocalypse and for arkham so the zombie apocalypse um in some ways was a little bit easier and than arkham and in other ways a little bit more difficult um, the costumes were a little bit easier because, again, you just kind of take your, your rattiest clothes, rip them up a bit, get them dirty, ripped, shredded. Add blood. Um, add blood, uh, which can be made in a variety of different ways. Um, <laughs> you don't if you Google have to fake blood, you will find lots and lots of opportunities or ways to do it. Exactly. There's, um, honestly, the, one of the great things about putting on a haunt now as opposed to you know, 15, 20 years ago is – the absolute volume of um, information and access that you can get through places like Pinterest, YouTube, you know, just Google and finding all these images. Because the big thing, you know, with costuming, depending on how, especially if you're doing something like Arkham, one of the difficulties with Arkham was deciding, A, which version of the characters did we want to do? Because obviously there's been so many iterations. Um, You know, I was Harley... The, you know, the number of iterations of, of Harley Quinn and how she's been designed and redesigned is just mind-boggling. Um, and that's even just within DC canon. That doesn't even go outside into the non-DC yeah. universe. So that alone, it can be very, very daunting. But again, that's where, as a scare actor, you work with your designer and decide, you know, which version do you want to do? So... There's a lot of resources out there. You can go super low budget. Um, you know, Harley, I bought a red T-shirt, a black T-shirt, cut them both in half and sewed them together. So I had two <laughs> shirts, so I had that two-tone color. Really low tech, really simple. Um, all really inexpensive. Really inexpensive. Which all about was, here. <laughs> you know, someone with access to a sewing machine. So you, you really... It, it truly ends up being up to you as a scare actor and, you know, your, your haunt designer as to how detailed, how accurate you want to be. And again, with the lighting, with how you set it up, there's a lot of forgiveness in there with um, with what you do. If you're if you're someone like me who I'm 
I don't really like to do something if I can't make it accurate. But at the same time, I know after doing all these haunts that it doesn't always have to be completely accurate. I'm not a professional costume designer. I'm not a professional makeup artist. Um, For me, these are things that I do for fun. So, you know, again, balancing that and talking to people who are professional costumers. Uh, One of my best friends and my sister have both worked um, professionally and in theater designing and building costumes. They're both seamstresses. So being able to go to them and being like, "Um, how can I DIY this? Because I don't sew. Um, I know how I'm terrible at it. So, again, you have a lot of resources for costumes. You can go high tech. You can go low tech. You can you know, go to all the Halloween stores once you start to get into the season and look for pieces to put things together to create your costume. Um, mix and match and play with it. The big thing about it is, again, you know, how do you how do you make sure that when haunting night comes Everything is ready to go. A lot of that is preparation beforehand. Play with your costume. I tried easily three or four different costumes before I settled on what I wanted to do for Harley. Um, The zombie was easy. I just grabbed my painting clothes and and made them dirty. Um, (laughs) And then coordinating, you know, sometimes, you know, one of the things that I did is we had a lot of new haunters um, at our Arkham. And so I coordinated with some of them who didn't really know. (laughs) <laughs> what they were doing and help them, you know, showed them things like here, this is kind of what you're looking for. These are your options, you know, and again, you decide what you want to do on your budget. Um, so you, again, budget is another thing to consider um, both as a haunt designer. If you're asking your actors to come in and put these costumes together, do keep their budget in mind um, and be respectful of their choices. If they decide that they can't afford to do this version of the costume, but they do something else equally good. Sure. Um, so that's kind of a lot of, of where costuming comes from is, you know, mix and match. If if you're somebody who regularly does haunts, you can find a lot of cool stuff outside Halloween season. So, I mean, even now I still keep an eye on, you know, oh, hey, I could use this to make this costume if we ever did this haunt. Um, and so I'll pick it up if it's on sale. So there's a lot of things that you can do. Uh, if you are somebody who uh, knows how to sew or knit or crochet, there's a lot of things you can make. You know, Be creative. Go look these things up on YouTube. Um, Pinterest is a bounty of ideas on how to DIY, um, DIY projects, you know, weapons, costumes, all sorts of things. So there's a lot of really, really great resources out there. Yeah, that doesn't only apply to costumes. Um, I've really found, well, for me at least, Home haunting has become my way of life, and so all through the year, I'm as I'm going to estate sales, as I'm at Goodwill, whatever. Uh, if I see something that I think I could use for my haunt, I tend to grab it. All through the year, I don't think you've stopped all year it, long. <laughs> you have never stopped looking since you were 12 years old. Yeah, that is a true statement, sir. <laughs> so once you have your costume put together, the next big thing it really is going to be makeup. And I recognize that that is probably more daunting to a lot of people than putting a costume together. I'll be honest. I did not use makeup until the year that we did the zombie apocalypse. I always thought it was easier to just grab a rubber mask. Sure. And that's you know always an option. Um, but there's some limitations with masks. Um, you you can't you know that's all it is. You any facial expressions you have are to be lost in the mask. Uh, if you're doing anything vocal, it's going to be lost in the mask. If you're mm-hmm. going to try and do anything with your eyes, 
it's likely to be lost in the mask. Masks are a great place to start, and they certainly have their place in a lot of haunts. Um, but you can also lose a lot of interaction with your trick-or-treaters. Um, it can also be too scary for a lot of young trick-or-treaters. So if you're doing a haunt in a neighborhood that has a lot of young kids, uh, they might not even be willing to go in if there are too many people wearing masks. So that's another thing to consider mm -hmm. as you're building your haunt is, are you looking to attract the middle school to high school age where masks are going to be a fun thing and you can make them super scary and gory? Or are you going to be, or do you have, you know, a lot of middle school, you know, elementary kids, the really, really young ones who masks aren't a fun thing for them. So that's something to consider. And that's where makeup really can um, give you the same effect without being as terrifying. Or it can be very, very terrifying. Um, and again, makeup is very, very versatile. And there's a lot of fun things you can do with it. There's a lot of special effects that you can do with makeup. Agreed. One of the best effects that I thought that, at least from the job that you did on Arkham, which you did a really good job, was was the job you did on Kay's... Um, because Kay obviously was the guard, was the security guard. <laughs> One of my favorite jobs that you did, as far as makeup, was the job on Kate because you had that that fake blood. Um, how did you How did you do that? I'm pretty sure we've talked about this like three of the last five episodes. <laughs> you mean the one where I let him hit himself in the face with my hammer? That's the one. That I'm great. content. I'm, Kay, I have to get it in don't... once. <laughs> Sometimes the best way to do it is to make it real. Sometimes it that's also good. not the best way of doing that. So here's some ways that you can make it look real without letting your actors hit themselves in the face with a giant hammer. Excellent segue. I like that. <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> I have talent. So in terms of making wounds, um, and I'm still very much an amateur with that, uh, but there's a lot of great things. And again, YouTube fantastic place. There's some amazing special effects, makeup artists who have channels on YouTube and they go into great depth um, and detail and the equipment that you need and what you need to do to create realistic looking wounds using makeup. But if you just want to get started, one of the best ways to do that is to get, um, and again, I'm not going to take up all the time by detailing it out because it is really something that is visual. So I do suggest going to YouTube and searching, you know, just kind of Google what type of wound you want to do. But um, eyelash glue and latex are two great ways to start making wounds without actually hitting people in the head with hammers. Um, the big thing with makeup... Sort of what? If you go in for that sort of thing. Well, you know, if you really want to go for that level of realism and everybody signed a medical waiver and isn't going to sue you, then by all means, I'm I mean, really I, not advocating you hit each other in the head with hammers. You could take that back to when you're when you're selecting your scare actors you can judge the level of commitment right there <laughs> oh that's one way of doing it so the big thing with makeup though truly is um you want to test it out before the big night if you have somebody on your team who knows how to do makeup give them the time and the information to do the research put everything together and make sure that nobody's allergic. So the big things with makeup, if you're going to use makeup on any or all of your scare actors, is one, make sure nobody's allergic to anything that you're using. You know what? That's a good tip. I never even thought of that, honestly. That is huge. There's nothing worse than being either halfway done putting makeup on somebody and realizing they're having an allergic reaction and will not be able to complete the effect. 
um, or being halfway through the night and realizing that your skin does not respond well to this. Uh, the other big things to remember about makeup, you do not have to go into the high-end makeup stores and buy top-of-the-line um, theater makeup to successfully put on a haunt. That being said, I would also be cautious of the you know $1 tubes of Halloween makeup that you can get at Target, Walmart, Walgreens. Those tend to sit on shelves in warehouses for, you know, years before they actually <laughs> manage to get sold. So be very, very careful with purchasing those. Uh, you're better off doing, you know, basic, you know, go to the drugstore section of, you know, the makeup section of a drugstore, um, you know, and start picking out kind of the colors and what you want to use. Or going to, you know, a specialty store and getting kind of a lower end level of costume makeup. You don't need to spend a lot of money to do a good job but you do want to spend a little bit of money, your skin and the skin of your scare actors will thank you. So once you've gotten the supplies that you need, play with it. The big thing that you want your scare actors to do, and the big thing that's worth spending some money on, is a primer, and that's the first thing that you put on your face or your body before you start putting on the makeup. That kind of helps the makeup stay put, and it also helps protect your skin. Um, the other thing to do is at the very, very end of putting on makeup is to put on a setting powder that helps the makeup not to melt off their face. So that way it stays looking the way it started at the end of the night. Okay. Are you laughing at melt off face? I mean, I mean if you're going for <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Art face melting by all That's means, the first again, thing that pops there's in my other special effects that can do that. So we can't just look into the Ark of the Covenant and, you know, let, well, let things there, stop. There, there are consequences to that. Uh, I mean, I feel like the effect of that would probably even be superior to makeup. However, I think it's a lot more, it, it involves a lot more legwork on your part to actually view the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, That's true. We would have to go find it first. So yeah. That, that, I mean, yeah. that would take away a lot of our time from building and uh, designing. You're going to find yourself with not a lot of time left to, to design or to write dialogue or anything, really. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, leave, leave that to, to grouchy archaeologists. Mm. You could shout, belongs in a museum more often. That would be a little bit fun. <laughs> probably, but it's probably in a, uh, in a warehouse. So we wouldn't have to go that far. Well, yeah, that, so that just narrows it down to warehouses. How many of those can there be? <laughs> <laughs> Any questions that they have, people have after this that involve makeup or costuming, let me know, and I will guest in on the next podcast. Sound, sounds fantastic. Uh, could you also, I know you have a lot of pictures uh, like from when we were getting ready for Arkham and getting ready for the zombie apocalypse. Uh, if you yeah. have those pictures, could you get them to me so we can put them up on our Facebook page, just some examples of uh, your work. And if people yeah. want to see like how to do uh, some of those wounds and such, uh, we can incorporate that as well. Yeah, sure. I'll, uh, I'll go hunting. I didn't take near as many pictures as I wish I had. Um, <laughs> That's always the truth. <laughs> Yeah. And I, really, I don't think I got a picture of my favorite one, which was my sister's, where I gave her the double tap to the head and realized she's a zombie and she's double tapped to the head and she's still crawling around. That makes her an extra scary zombie. That is a fact. So, so for, our listeners, a picture of that. for our listeners, you don't need to hit that little button on the podcast where you can rewind it 15 seconds. She did say I double tapped my sister. <laughs> <in the head. laughs> that is, you did hear it correctly. <laughs> Yes, and also one thing to check with your makeup is whether or not it stains. That particular makeup that I used for that for those wounds on that time did stain. So my sister did walk around with a double tap to her head on her 
there for, for a couple of days and I had a few uh, sucking wounds that stuck around for a while as well because I couldn't wash them out. Yeah, I actually still have the sweatshirt I wore that night covered in bloody stains. I use it when I'm working on Halloween stuff. Yep, I still have my t-shirt. It's my when I'm cleaning the house shirt. Oh, memories. Aren't they wonderful? <laughs> Thank you all for having me on this wonderful podcast. And if there are any makeup, costume, or picking your scare actor related questions, by all means, send them in. And uh, these two will certainly let me know. And I can pop in, say hi, and uh, answer any specific questions you guys might have. Yeah, we hope to have you back for a future podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Well, guys, I think that will about do it for our uh, episode on costumes, actors, and makeup. As always, we look forward to your questions. Uh, we will pass off any questions completely out of our realm of knowledge to Leslie. <laughs> uh, so feel free to re- uh, ask anything that uh, we have either not clarified or that uh, you're wondering about uh, following this discussion. But give her a good excuse to, to come on again. She did a great job. I thought so, too. Of course, you can always reach out to us via our social media uh, on Facebook. That's www.facebook.com slash haunting you with the letter U. And, John, what's our Twitter handle? Our Twitter handle is at haunting universe. That's haunting, U-N-I-V-E-R-1. And, of course, you can find our podcast in a variety of places, iTunes and Stitcher. uh, But the easiest place is SoundCloud. We are still uh, hosting our entire series on SoundCloud. Gotta love it. But yeah, um, and one more thing I wanted to mention before we get out of here. Um, we're still doing our, our promotion where we're uh, we're trying to promote local haunts um, and just get the word out. So we have a promotion going on right now. Um, if you go on our page, like Kay said, follow us uh, on Twitter, Facebook. Go ahead and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Um, when you subscribe to our podcast, send us a direct message on Twitter or Facebook, um, and we'll promote your haunt. We'll promote your haunt on our special Halloween episode uh, where we're going to be just talking about some of our favorite uh, haunted houses across the country. Yeah, we'll give you guys a shout out. Just tell us the name of your haunt. Um, if you want us to, to give out an address, we can. Um, probably more on the website, social media area, but uh, let us know what you want us to do and we'll give you a shout out. I think that'll about do it. Uh, until next time, happy hunting. Bye, everyone. Haunting You is a production of the Rocky Mountain Home Haunters, LLC. All audio clips and sound effects are used under a Creative Commons attribution or public domain license from Purple Planet Music at www.purple-planet.com or the Sound Bible at soundbible.com. Please see our Facebook page for more details on all the clips used in this episode. Haunting University can be reached via Facebook at www.facebook.com slash haunting you with the letter U or on Twitter using the handle at haunting univer one that's haunting U-N-I-V-E-R one.